Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 81 of Death Readers, the podcast where we're reading through new books for the first time. At least I am. Uh, in this episode of Death Readers, we're going to be reading through Jurassic Park's sequel, <laughs> I say. The Lost World, uh, by Michael Crichton. We're going to be reading through chapters, uh, starting at chapter Harding, going all the way through chapter Dodgson. So, roughly 50 to 60 pages. Uh, start at the beginning of the book and read with us and you won't be lost. <laughs> If this is your first time listening to the podcast, what we do here is we read through these books, chapter by chapter, page by page. We take notes all along the way. Uh, and then we get together and discuss them like a two-person book club, um, a book duet, if you will. A libro doble. Hmm. And we discuss the elements we find interesting with each other on this show. And if you listen, you're a saint. Did I miss anything? No. I mean, I, I think you're a little free with the... Um beatification of our listeners but beatification isn't that what it's called when you make someone a saint oh i know what to, i know what deify is yeah well that makes them a god right i may not be pronounced it's one of those words i've only ever seen written we'll look it up in the new word alert how do you spell it it's like beautiful without the one without with that letter B-E-A-T-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. All right. Uh, I guess uh, pre-new word alert. New word alert. Beatify. Beatify, actually. It's beatify. Here. Beatification. Beatification. Like the Beatitudes? Sure. Yeah, like those. Yes, yes, and um, uh, <laughs> and how beatify verb to make supremely happy. What's the first step in sainthood? Part two: Christianity to declare to have attained the blessedness of heaven yep. and authorize the title blessed and limited public religious honor. So, so this is like when Val Kilmer did his first miracle. What, being able to see again? That's a deep pull. I, know. I forgot about that movie. It's like Flowers for Al- for Algernon, but with the blind. Or that other Elizabeth Shue movie. I got that's... a pitch. Here it is. Flowers for Algernon, right? For the mouse. Super smart. It's back to super dumb. Okay? And we do it with Val Kilmer. I know you're thinking he's already dumb. He's already very, very, very stupid. So he'd be great to do a literal Flowers for Algernon with. Perfect. He's got that whole biting thing he does. Ah! But what if instead of his thinky box, we take away his eyesight, make him a blind man, and then give him the gift of sight. And we really rub it in about how horrible it is to be blind. We really want to make the, the viewers, and I want to emphasize this is only for the viewers, not the people who can't see the movie, i.e. the blind, the subjects of our film. Not about them. We really want to rub it into the sighted that uh, losing that sight. Oh, that'd be worse than death. You'd want to kill yourself if you were blind. We really want to make the audience feel that way. And I think Val Kilmer can make us all feel like we want to kill ourselves. So I'm saying Flowers for Algernon, Val Kilmer, losing his sight, not his, not his thoughts, not his brain power. 
gets gets the ability to see, enjoys the splendor of the world and how wonderful it is. Again, emphasizing to the actual blind, their lives are not worth living. And then he loses that sight, loses that immense gift. And uh, then he realizes that he was sighted all along in his heart. And, you know, and that's where he like the movie... We, we don't get in trouble with anyone because, like, he learned a, a, a emotional lesson. Everyone has value. Right, right. You've been listening to 90, 90s pitch meetings. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's my pitch for... I don't even remember what that movie's called. I don't even... Uh, I, it's not Eye of the Beholder because that was a thriller, but some shit like that. A yeah, val, anyway. A val to a kill. <laughs> Oof. 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 Anyway, where were we? I just, I, I blacked out. Um, <laughs> um, I have no idea how we got there. New word alert. It was a, oh, right. It was, it was beatification. Yes. Right. Um, well, that's the end of the pre-new word alert. Um, <laughs> if there's no other. We could have just waited till the end, you know. No, fine. no, no. We're going to do, we're going to do two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want your shitty real words intruding on my new word alert, Rob. That was the impromptu. My show. That was the impromptu new word alert. Impromptu two alert word alert. Impromptu word alert. Portmanteaus are not your forte. Uh, they're. I can. I can do them. Fortmanteau. <laughs> no. Fortmonte. No. If if you're listening, go back 15 seconds and hit the skip ahead 30 seconds button. Um. <laughs> All right. If there's no other news, then we we start our show. Yes, please God. All right, that brings us to Harding housekeeping. Oh fuck! You did that on purpose. I tricked you. All right, we got a little housekeeping. We do. Last episode was a contentious episode. Oh, it was a rough one. Tempers flared. I had some opinions. Mate was drunk. Not saying there I didn't were... have more tonight. <laughs> Great. Um, slurs were thrown, but it got me thinking, and so I did a little. I did a little research. Okay. And you're probably not going to like this research. Oh, you're probably going to disagree with it, but it has to be brought up anyway. Okay. Uh, I feel like this is some gotcha journalism. Are you doctor filling me? I googled. Does the Lost World Jurassic Park pass the Bechdel test? And here's what I found. I want to stop you right there. Okay. We're not reading the Lost World Jurassic Park. The Lost World Jurassic Park pertains to the movie. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, shit. Okay. Because in the last podcast, you vented that you are very confident that it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. I'm going and- to unpause you right there. Okay, so I can start over. I can keep going now. Keep what you're going. saying is keep going. you're going to interrupt me to tell me I can continue talking. Yes. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm not saying it's a strong contender for a positive Bechdel film. Okay. Do you want to tell people what the Bechdel test is? Do you want to take on that? Oh, as far as I, I feel out of my depth because I know it's not called the Bechdel test because... Ms. Bechdel. It's actually called something else. It's Bechdel plus someone else's name. That's what I don't know. Bechdel herself said my friend came up with this and attributed it to said friend, but damn you cultural zeitgeist, all I have is Bechdel. 
Yes. As far as I'm aware of it, the Bechdel test is uh, two women in a movie have to have a conversation, uh, maybe for a certain length of time, about something other than a man. You're very close. Okay. Here are the here are the requirements to pass the Bechdel test, which has a different name, but we're calling name? it that. Uh, I could go get it, but I don't. Oh have no, it right no, now. no, 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 no um, effort's going to be uh, exerted on this. This is so much more research than we normally do. <laughs> so, um, because we're men and oh, we're entitled so to not wanna, do research. Mm. Like it's even if the you way think about I it, said like, what I said, I'm like, that was, I shouldn't have we're said like, that. We're like, we're like doing it. Like, like why even like, I do not, like I shouldn't have to, like I shouldn't uh, have I to. In, <laughs> the opinions expressed on death readers may not reflect the opinions of the death readers. You don't even endorse my like clear satire or I don't like, even, sarcasm. I don't even endorse my opinions. Wow, that's that's legally dubious. Um, <laughs> Shit. Okay, to pass, this is the requirements for the test. Number one, the film has to have at least two named women in it. Okay, that's very important. The name having a name is important. Number two. Those two women have to, with names, have to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So you can't have a female character who walks into a gas station and talks to a nameless female gas station attendant, mm-hmm. has a conversation, and then leaves because that character didn't get a name or is not acknowledged as having a name in the story. Maybe they'll give her a name in the credits, but come on, she's she's not... She's she's not really part of like the the narrative more than right a stand-in right. So third, the the thing they talk to each other about has to be something besides a man. So it's pretty important thing. Okay. So for example, pretty sure Princess Bride doesn't pass. Correct. Yeah, pretty sure it fails pretty bad um there's more than there's more than one female character in the movie who has a name i think uh maybe there's prince hubbardink's mom and there's the boo woman but she was a dream there's also uh max's wife yeah max's wife who's uh uh, mallory yeah um and then there's mom i think mom is a character in that movie there is a mom isn't there yeah, but anyway, it's not about that movie. So with the thing, the reason is the, the reason we're talking about this is because last episode he brought up how there's very few female characters in the Lost World Jurassic Park film. Uh, there's Kelly and there's Doctor Harding. Right. So, uh, Sarah. And so I looked it up, and a website BechdelTest.com says that the Lost World Jurassic Park film, this movie passes three out of three tests. Although dubious. Hmm. So let's go into the examples. Okay. Uh, skip pretty far ahead if you don't give a shit about this and you're listening. I was like, why are you listening if this isn't entertaining to you? <laughs> I'm sorry for, I'm sorry for, for pre-chastising. I'm just very defensive about our, uh, the people who listen. <laughs> okay. Um, on this website, a guy named Jim comments, so presumably a man's name, <laughs> says... I can only think of one scene that satisfies this test. It is the scene where everyone is sleeping in tents. The T-Rex pokes their snouts into the tent. Sarah Harding tells a terrified Kelly Curtis, Shh. 
I don't think it counts. I don't that think that does that's not funny. count. That, no, that doesn't count. That no, is no, not that a conversation. Count. That's not a conversation. That's not a conversation. It's a, that's it's a command. A, it's it is a command, but it's also almost nonverbal. Yes, it's it's guttural, yes. but it's not a word. They communicate. They did not have a conversation. Right. Okay. Then Chris says. Oh fuck! What does Chris say? Fucking Chris. Chris, Chris says. There's another scene. Or he says it like Yoda. There Don't. is another scene. Oh, okay. Um, earlier why in the film... It, why isn't it where another after Ian there and is? Kelly argue, what the hell is that about? Yoda with his fucked up syntax says there is another. What the fuck this? Fuck Yoda. Somebody did. Baby Yoda. Chris <laughs> says right. there's another scene earlier in the film where after Ian and Kelly argue, Sarah talks to Kelly about the RV trailers. You can also make out what they are saying, paraphrased, something like, you hid in the trailer? And Kelly says, yeah, it was awesome. Some sort of conversation like that. Odie comes in, says, at the beginning, Deirdre Bowman is pestering her daughter, Kathy Bowman, so she won't wander too far away. Later, the same scene, Deirdre yells, Kathy, darling, lunch is ready. That line very prominently featured in the trailer. Now, you could argue, not a conversation. But what it says here is talk to each other, not have a conversation. It says talk to each other. Okay. What are the other criteria again? About something besides a man, they have to have names. Can you, can you give it a little more specific? Those are literally, that's it. That's all Who they have, have to have names. The two women talking. Ah. Are you going to argue that it's a girl? It's a child. It's a girl oh my child, God. That's, that's, not that's, a woman. That's low. That is sad. Oh, that I'm is I'm sorry. Sad. I did not write the Bechdel test. Wow. How far do your exclusions about who are women go? Strictly age-related. Oh, what is the age limit? That's... Uh, I feel like I, what I'm telling you through my conversation here is that you are you have pushed yourself into a tar pit, if you will, like in La Brea, because this is dinosaur related. And I would love it if you pulled yourself out and acknowledge that this totally works. I can't do it. I can't do it. Ooh, there are two children in the movie that speak to adults. And thus, the movie does not pass the Bechdel test. So, like, no Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen film would pass the Bechdel test to you? I don't know. I haven't seen it. There might be other women characters. Okay, so if the two twins talk to each other about something that wasn't a man, you would say, no, 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 not allowed. Not Doesn't doesn't meet the weirdly strict criteria you have on this already. Again, I did not write the test. I also am starting to think you don't understand it. So <laughs> So it would it would make sense that you didn't write it because you don't understand it. I think I understand uh, it just fine. James chimes in. Oh god damn it. And says Notice how these are all men chiming in. Oh, you're assuming Chris out. is a man? Shit. Yeah. You see what you're doing here, man? You see what you've done? <laughs> what is what is James um, what does James say? You're like you're like you're like Two Face or the Joker. You're just like stuck in this villainous life that you you can't pull yourself out of. 
James says... <laughs> the scene where they are trying to escape the raptor in the shed, Kelly tells Sarah, What do I do when I'm out? Sarah says, I'm right behind you. It's not a conversation. It doesn't have to be a conversation. They have to talk to each other. That's mm. all it says. Talk to each other. Yeah, okay, okay. You okay, don't understand okay. the thing. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. You're right. The things, the points you have brought up are correct. <laughs> However, where did you get your information? Bechdel.com. Bechdeltest.com. Right. And we already know that Bechdel herself said the test is not called that. Therefore, that is a third-party website, and it is not inadmissible. Oh, this is sad. <laughs> This is like going to a, a hearing with Rudy Giuliani. This is sad. <laughs> oh, this is very sad. Hey, I, I just, I just, I just, I just think the rules should matter. And I don't think you, I think you don't think the rules should matter. I think that's exactly why the parallel works so well is you're like, the rules only matter if I lose. If I lose, then the, I care about the rules, which aren't really the rules. They're just whatever I can do to make me win. That's all, because that's all you. That's I. It's it's just it's sad. It's so sad. Well, okay. Well, that, that's that's all the notes that I have from this. Uh, I mean, again, slanderous website. Uh, listeners, you tell us what you think. <laughs> Deathreaders at gmail.com. Who's right? Who's wrong? Did you have any other housekeeping? Well, I was just going to look up if, if this website doesn't have like a search feature that's easily seeable. Sounds um, like a pretty hastily to get thrown together crappy website. Oh boy, someone is wounded. <laughs> hey, we were right. The movie passed two of the three tests means the uh, Princess Bride does not pass the Bechdel test. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> here's Here's one. Does booing count as talking to each other? <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't let. I wouldn't admit that anyways because it was a dream. She doesn't have. Well, she doesn't have a name, but even a character in a dream, I think, would if they had a name, would count. They're not a real character, though. They're a figment. That can be a character. No. A figment can be. Did you read anything Neil Gaiman's ever written? Ugh. Not on purpose. Yes, you did. Yeah, no, I, I did. <laughs> You just keep losing in these really weird ways. <laughs> it's like you, you're you just like stepping into losing and, and declaring that it's winning. And then I'm like, it's obviously not. And you're like, shit. That's very big right now. How is he so good? How is he so good at knowing? <laughs> oh, it's it's tricky. It must be it must be a rigged. Must be a rigged question. Rigged interview. Rigged Bechdel test. Not an adult. Therefore, not a woman. And oh, boy. Me, Rob, certainly knows who counts as a woman. It's not what willing, I said. And I'm not willing to tell what everyone. I, that, not I'm at so all. Willing, not so at willing all to what tell I said. everyone. No, you're I, putting no, what words you said, in my mouth. What you said earlier was you don't even endorse the things you've said. So, ergo, you Shit. must endorse the things I said as you. That's not... It only makes sense. That's, okay, that's that's some Rob logic right there. I know. That's why you said it through me. All I said it just was makes I don't sense. endorse what I said. Yeah. And if you're saying things as me, then clearly I don't endorse the words coming out of you. No, you don't endorse the words coming out of you. Yeah, but if you're me, then I don't endorse those words I'm either. not you. I'm not you. I'm speaking as you. So that's when it's real. 
That's when it's right. Oh boy, it's tough. Okay, let's start the show um, <laughs> again. Yeah, uh, let's get into the uh, first chapter. Harding. The first question: Do you think she's a woman? I think that's up to her. Couldn't have said it better yourself. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice little bow. I'm proud of that. All right. What do you got to say about chapter Harding? Uh, My biggest takeaway from this chapter was I didn't understand why Dodson tried to kill her. Okay. Why Why did he bring her on the boat? If he was just gonna literally bump her off, uh, I, I the only are you done uh, positing your question? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, my best guess for justifying that has to do with she is a loose end. She was a person who was there, who could know that he was there. She could witness him him being there, and knows Malcolm and Levine are there. Or Levine are there. So he he gathered all that information ju- from talking to her, got her on the boat, and was able to bump her off in a way that he felt like would continue to keep him safe. She became a liability, so he had to do something with her. Uh, I guess that makes sense. Okay. It, it's not explicitly said like that. It's a little bit hinted at in a later chapter where there, where, where uh, the one guy's like, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did that. Why'd you do that? I saw it, man. And they're like, you didn't see shit. Yeah, it's always something you want to announce to the murderer. Yes. Yes. It, well, he's panicked. Anyway, um, that does that help? That Yeah, that? no, it, it, I guess it does. I guess it does. I mean, there's a lot of sloppy writing in, in yeah. these. And I feel like more explanation, more, more examinations of motives would have helped. But it, that does make a kind of sense. Yeah. Do you have anything? Because that's my, that's my newt. My my single note is we get it. Dodson's the bad guy. Yeah, there's a little that that got a little heavy handed in these. Yeah, it did. Um, all right, let's move on. Okay. Uh, I thought this would be a short episode, and then we had this huge prologue. Um, that brings us to the next chapter, the Valley. All right. Do you have anything to say about this chapter? Yeah, I do. I do too. I want to talk about interspecies symbiosis. All right, let's talk about interspecies. Symbiosis. 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 Saying take, the same thing. I'm going to take the Ginny Slate approach. Is that pedantism? Uh, it's it's her mispronunciation in the Venom trailer. Oh. Ugh. We love Ginny oh, Slate, I... even though she's no longer on Big Mouth. Oh, she's not. Oh, don't talk about that. I don't want to know about this. We... Oh, that 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 came out beforehand. Sure, but like we we don't need to talk about it on the show. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, she's in most of season four. Don't worry. So they talk about interspecies symbiosis in the apatosaurs and the pa- parasaurs, Parasolophus? Parasolophus, um working together. Do you remember this? Yes, they herd the, together. Yeah. Because the apatosaurs are massive and strong, but not necessarily visually acute, and the parasolophus are small, but have great eyesight. And so together they right. work in a team to graze safely. Right. I was curious about this. I wondered 
Apatosauruses were alive 161 to 145 million years ago. Parasolophuses, Parasolophi, 76 million to 73 million years ago. They did not exist together. Right. I suppose it's possible that each of them had an interaction with another kind of dinosaur and had a symbiotic relationship like this and they could fall together. And the later chapters uh, going into depth about self-organization could kind of cover it, but it still seems sloppy. And I think they should have had a couple of lines talking about this, especially since Levine loves to just throw out knowledge about dinosaurs. There should have been at least a, well, actually these two didn't exist together. So it's fascinating that they've developed this, relationship i kind of i mean i think it's kind of what he is saying um mm, they don't say that I mean, it should have been straight up acknowledged these guys did not live together i think the whole conceit of the island itself is that none of these animals have uh inherited or learned behavior sure They're but they, they do the have generations they do have um shared you know genetic memory Whatever they've evolved to have learned in the past, that DNA would 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 have it there. I feel but, like that's. I I don't know enough about uh. The the uh, shared unconscious, but like I'm not, I'm not trying to say there's there's a there's a massive collective unconscious, but I mean, let's say you take cat DNA. And you're talking about ancestral memory. I I know. I know I, yeah, I, I know. And in a million years, you clone that cat. Right. That clone cat's gonna have gonna freak out at a cucumber. Perhaps because it's like, evolved that it's evolved to have those reactions, right, those but, synaptic but if, firings. But if you put that cat in a room with another future cat, they're probably gonna figure out a way to interact with each other. And that's what I'm suggesting is that that's what Le- Levine's observing. Is he's saying, "Oh, look at this! These two species that he doesn't say they didn't interact, but these two species." are interacting in this very fascinating way here now. He's not supposing something about how they could have interacted in the past. He's observing how they interact now. I, and that's mm-hmm. why he's so obsessed about doing it because it's all this fascinating I don't think so. I think he's obsessed that they're interacting at all, proving some of his theories right. Which the, theories? This, this, this is the equivalent of they're moving in herds. I knew it. Ha ha. I read this totally as this is new information about dinosaurs that I had kind of theorized and isn't this fascinating, but not these two things that have, that could never have met have evolved this. um... See, I think there's a difference between evolve and adapt. Like they didn't evolve at all. They were genetically engineered to exist in this moment and they were built. But based on the evolution that they had already gone through. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I'm not, what I was trying to say earlier is I'm not entirely convinced that the concept of hereditary memory is like not pseudoscience. Like, I don't know, like it, so so there's, I don't know how much you can attribute to what is instinct, uh, how that instinct is, is evolution, like is survival of the fittest developed, how that would pass on. I don't know. In that case, I certainly don't believe that a symbiotic relationship like this is going to happen in one generation. Well, I also think it's a bit it's a bit of a stretch to call it even a symbiotic relationship. I mean, that's what the book uh, called it. Did it? Did it use that word? That's I I went back and wrote that down. Interspecies symbiosis. Of course, I didn't write down the page number, but it's in the valley. Yeah, I can find it. I'll find it. Hold on. Okay. 
I'm not. It's not that I doubt you. It's not that I doubt you. It's fine. It's that it's it's just it is such a strange word to use. Piece of shit. Okay. Come, come, Levine said, pointing. Look at the herds. Look at how they are arranged spatially. We are seeing something that no one has witnessed before or even suspected for dinosaurs. We're seeing nothing less than interspecies symbiosis. We are? Yes, Levine said. Oh, I said it. You got me. The apatosaurs and the parasaurs are together. I saw them together yesterday, too. I'll bet that they're always together when they're out on the open plain. Undoubtedly, you're wondering why. Undoubtedly, Thorne said. And then goes through everything I just said. Just the way zebras and baboons stay together on the African plains. I don't know. It just Yeah, it, I mean it's 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 weak sauce. Yeah, I, I that's 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 dumb. And okay. I don't I, just, I mean I don't think that, that is... I'm not even saying I I guess I guess what I'm really complaining about is there are clearly dinosaurs of different ages living together, and I feel like that should be explored more. Sure, and I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that this the segment you've just read excludes that information. It, it doesn't. doesn't in, it doesn't include it, but it doesn't explicitly say – it doesn't suggest in any way that that information would be correct or you – know. No, but it should, it should say more. Maybe it, it does later. I don't know. Um not not in not about that instance, but but like there's moments in this book where I've been like, why isn't he talking about this? And then like hundred pages later, he kind of says it. Maybe All it right, then I guess we'll be on. Well, it's another thing we have to look out for. What is this like? It, it, acknowledgement of species existing in different eras of dinosaur. Because I feel like there's been that before. Like like I think the first book talked about that a lot. I mean, do we really need to hash, rehash that stuff too? It didn't. It didn't. Pretty sure they mention like the T Rex is from one period and like they mentioned it, are from but those period. dinosaurs were on the whole uh, contained in their little in their little terrariums, and then when they got out, there was too much action happening that anyone could stop and go, "Oh, that's weird! I never would have thought that a, crustace- a Cretaceous and a Jurassic animal would interact that way." Huh? I guess I'm not sure why that is so important to you. And I don't, I don't I feel like it's something that a scientist that interested in these dinosaurs would talk about. So you're going to hold that against him? Yeah. I'm going to hold it against the writing. It's not in keeping with the character. Mm, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm just not entirely convinced, Uh, but that's fine. It's not fine. It's not fine at all. But we can move on. My note for this chapter, uh, I think I understand Malcolm's behavioral extinction ideas better now after reading this chapter. What do you mean? The idea is that evolution seems to be good at making one drastic change to an environmental stimuli, but n- not more than that per species. Like, woolly mammoths got a lot of fur, but they didn't lose it when the planet warmed back up. Now, granted, they were extinct by the time the planet really warmed back up, but could they have evolved to lose the fur or would they have and, and still been the same species or would they have just died because they would have overheated and not been able to breed anymore. Right. That kind of makes more sense to me than the stuff he'd been saying before about like, I mean, it was like, he was trying to say like, how come dinosaurs didn't figure out how to not die from asteroids? And it's like, what? <laughs> um, 
Okay, yeah. They failed. That's how it felt. Um, I, I, I still don't like how he calls that behavior, though, because evolution is elective. Like, and I, I, I sense a suggestion that animals choose their behavior in Malcolm's tone. And so what I mean by that is he mentions it at another point in these chapters, but ev- the way evolution works is mutations occur. If the mutations are favorable and result in the animal who developed the mutation in uh, living a longer, healthier life and provide that animal the opportunity to breed more. If they succeed in breeding more than other animals who Mm -hmm. don't have this mutation, then that mutation will get passed on and eventually become a dominant feature that will eventually become a feature of the whole species because Mm -hmm. it will have improved the species capacity to survive on the planet. That it's very easy for people because oh, absolutely. We're, we, we're very linear thinkers to think that it is the other way around. Like woodpeckers like to eat bugs inside of trees. So they have big, strong beaks and that, that can burrow through wood and, and pull out grubs, but they didn't like go out and buy a fucking beak that does that. They, right. they had that specific species or those specific species lucked into that by the s- mutations that changed the way they're phys- they physically look like people you could it's just there's so many things that could happen in a in a in a species that could change things like like narwhals some narwhal at some point didn't have a, a tusk and then they got a tusk and for some reason that wall that narwhal fucked like for <laughs> some reason the narwhal that had the littlest bittiest tusk at first just fucked all the time <laughs> And it made other walruses that are narwhals that had little tiny fucking horns. And then those horns started to get bigger and longer and longer. And then every time they got longer and bigger and longer, they fucked. And it just started to make it so that the horns got longer and longer and longer. And there was more fucking. And it just like now that's a feature of the whole species. And it's a weird fucking feature. It's such a strange thing. But it, it there it is. And... <laughs> And it's 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 not the other way around. And I feel like he he the character and Crichton both get that it's not the other way around. Right. But like it's also so hard in describing the usefulness of features to not describe them as if they're saying they have this so they can do X. Right, right, right. As right. opposed to they need to do X. This thing helps them do it better, which is why they evolved it. It's, even even the term natural peeve. selection has right. it kind of implies agency. Yeah, like, like who's selecting. doing the selecting, right? Right. Well, nature is, and nature is. Yeah, but then you get that mother nature, and like, oh, you're replacing God with nature. No, and, and, nature but, just means chaos. It's I that complex system. That. I understand that, but it's that whole. I, I I feel like there should be a different term because people will hear that and still come up with an end, like something is picking this thing. I think people who cover themselves in patchouli will think that, but like people like us, no. I mean, there's nothing wrong with patchouli. Patchouli is disgusting. It's not the word. It's disgusting. It smells horrible. It's not. No, it's it's earthy. Like poop. Like no. it smells awful. Like oh, no, like like. Earthy rave. is a nice way of saying shitty. Like earthy no, is a nice. No, way. it's like yeah, no, like, like like that 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 flavorful grave mold. That beet flavor. That dirt. That mmm. Earthy. You're saying it smell. It smells like the grave. I'll 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 give you that. It smells horrible. Listen, I've clearly pushed a button and I've shamed you in a way I didn't expect. But 
because there's other ways I've shamed you that I totally expected, anticipated, and prepared for. Um, this was not one of them. Uh, I'm not going to apologize because I, I, I stand by my convictions and I do endorse the things I say sometimes. But we can move on. You don't have to defend your patchouli stink anymore. I prefer stink, but okay. Uh, that's all my notes for that chapter. All right, then. Then that brings us to the next chapter. Cave. I really hate chapters like Cave. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How many times is he going to tell us that she's lost hope and her muscles hurt? I, mean, I think that that kind of writing doesn't make the book like more visceral. I think that's the attempt of it sure. is to make it feel like, oh, God, it's so hard. What she's doing right now. It sucks so bad. Oh, her muscles burn. They just ache. Oh, my God. Look how far away her destination is. It sucks so bad. Oh, she's fine. Like, I, I, I want more in the way it's written. I want it to be more engaging. This was like two pages of I could have skipped. It, this this chapter could have just been Sarah Harding swims to the island and would have been just as valuable. It may be more so because I wouldn't have had to read so much wasteful space. Maybe he wants us to sympathize with her ordeal for, for reasons that, that might appear later. And that is something I will talk about later. Okay. But in the middle of reading this chapter, mm-hmm. uh, not digging it. it. It feels tedious. Okay. But as you said, and I do have, it, it could, it could do something later, which I think it does. Okay. But we'll move on to your notes. None. None. Then let's move on to the next chapter. Dodson. Um, I'm going to go first here. It's great because I still have no notes. Okay. In this one, my note is that uh, I think in a previous episode, you mentioned how it feels like sometimes Dodgson's just twirling his mustache. Yeah. Um, And this is exactly that. This chapter was exactly him doing that. Um, I think this is the chapter where they have the conversation about why he pushed her overboard. Yes. It feels like it just it feels like a cartoon uh, motivation and justification or like or like a really like a. Like a late a late nineties early two thousands like 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 tough guy movie mm-hmm. where like the like the like it's it's like kind of like Training Day I've mentioned Training Day a bunch and I won't mention it too much more but it feels like something you'd see Denzel Washington do in Training Day when you're just like ugh I get it he's so scary moving on to the next chapter mating calls all right do you have anything in this one um couple things. Levine has that weird flashback to the dinosaur attack, and I'm like, Crichton's being mm-hmm. real cagey, mm-hmm. noticeably cagey, and I, I don't think this is the case, but my brain went to, did the dinosaur lay an egg in Levine? <laughs> like, infect him with some sort of chestburster, so, carnotaur. You're talking about, you're talking about a, like, a, a, like a Chuck Tingle novel. I wasn't implying that, but I think I actually was. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I went to the lost world and got eviscerated by a raptor who was my gay lawyer. It could be something as lame as a payoff where he just has an aha moment of, oh, wait, I know what my subconscious is trying to tell me. And it means this. But it feels like a bigger twist is being set up. And I don't know what that could be. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um my note is that uh, I like the I liked Le- Levine making a mistake and attracting the herd of dinosaurs. I thought that was funny, uh, but it 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 also caused me to sit back and think, 
what is this book about? Yeah. At at this point, I had this note where I was like, what am I reading? Like, am I, am I reading like Lost World or Jurassic Park took some time to get going, but at least I knew where it was going. Yes. And I know where this book's going, I think. But at this point, I really had to take a note and feel like, I feel like I'm about 200 pages into this book or more. Um, and you'll know it better than I would because you have the single version, but your pages are weird. Um, but it feels like we're really far into a book. And I don't like we, we've already accomplished the first goal. The first goal was get to the island. That's done. Sure. So what's the next goal? I mean, and I feel like we're getting there. Yeah. But it just it, it's just it feels like it's not happening fast enough. This book is basically Treasure Island. Yeah. Everyone's after the treasure, which is, I guess, dino knowledge. Right. And you've got the good, the good sailors and the bad pirates, and, and, and they're trying to get to, I guess, success first. It's... I, I didn't like Levine's mistake. I, even though they explained it well and he, he chastised himself, it didn't feel like, in key, like it was in keeping with the character who was so fastidious that he could never live with a woman. Yeah. And I guess it's just that. It's just bad puppeteering. Crichton's just like, I want the character to do this now, regardless of if it's in keeping with their character. And that's a big disconnect I'm having in this book. I mean, I feel like he gets there later, like in the sequence when he ha- he, he they find their way to the latrine and he's just a real jerk to Eddie. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that one made more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, f- it fit the whole like he's such a jerk right that he couldn't like live with a woman he couldn't be with a, a partner of any kind he, no he could never live with a woman I know but I'm trying to be more I'm trying to be more inclusive than Crichton or Thorne sure Thorne's the one who said it I'm just saying yeah but Crichton's the one who wrote it so yeah but, really... but he, clearly it was character development for Thorne are you done with that chapter yes Let's move on to the next chapter. Problems of evolution. I like this chapter. I really like this chapter. <laughs> this is a good chapter. I could have read like ten more of these chapters. I'm like, I'll just get, I, I'll just, I'll just read a book about evolution. This is great. Yeah, I, I, I like it when Malcolm philosophizes. Like, I, I, I find myself very interested to see and hear his take on when our big brains use tools to overcome the deficits of natural selection. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like I, let me rephrase. I, I, I would love it if in addition to discussing the things he already discussed, if he would talk about, um, how he, it seems to me at least, and this goes back to, I think kind of like the problem that I, I have with what you said earlier about, like, you think he should have said this. This is that moment for me. I think he should have started talking about how humans more than most other animals have achieved a certain point where we can use tools to overcome features that shouldn't survive natural selection. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, bad eyesight, uh, developing eyes that can't see as well as others should mean that that individual, that mutation, that individual, uh, shouldn't survive long enough to breed. Right. Which means that, short-sightedness or nearsightedness or stigmatisms or any of that stuff, you'd probably just be eaten or die because you couldn't fend for yourself. Sure. Um, now the thing about humans is we also have developed like senses of fairness and community. So like 
we we have a tendency to take care of and care for the infirmed and the in the ill or sometimes some sometimes (laughs) on on an individual level we often have that on a massive level not so much once you get disconnected you start to forget that people are people and it's easy to not think of them that way yeah they're not they're not people they're other yeah, exactly. There, there a, there's something separate from me because I can only really think about 150 people in general. Yeah. And that's my tribe. Yeah. So anything beyond that is a concept. It's not really a it, person I mean, or a collection on. of people. Yeah. So um, it uh, but what I think about is like, you know, what what happens to human evolution when we don't weed out bad physical traits? So like or like like let me rephrase less advantageous physical traits like disadvantage disadvantageous even um like if you didn't have prosthetic eyes Mm -hmm. like if you didn't have glasses you would have a hard time doing stuff um or if you let's say like you you couldn't uh breathe very well in certain circumstances, like you had allergies to certain things sure. and that caused you to die or, sure. or, 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 or before you could or breathe. fall behind even or fall behind yeah. or like whatever, like, like, let's say whatever it makes appendixes burst. Mm-hmm. Let's say that, that let's, let's say for, for lack of a better understanding of it, that that has something to do with a trait that we could isolate and remove from the gene pool. Well, if, if those people just died instead of being saved, then that would effectively remove that gene from the pool. Mm-hmm. So same thing with like, and it goes, it just goes ad nauseum. Like this concept sure, no, goes absolutely. to everything. So like, I would love it if he talked about that and said like, you know, are we just going to end up devolving as, as we go on as a species uh, and continuing to find ways to overcome our deficits that are unnatural in the sense that they aren't, you know, being weeded out and culling the herd so that the herd itself will stay stronger. We are, I, I fear that we're a fear. I'm not going to live through it. It's going to be so massively in the future, even if we have a future that it's not going to be a problem. But like conceptually it, it doesn't look great for the human species. It makes it look like we're going to have a, uh, like our future is a massive amount of biological mess that will eventually become too weak to, survive without the like aid of machines which will because we're just not going to weed out cancer we're not going to weed out like i mean every i think everything gets cancer because cancer is a mutation or whatever but like still like you know things like eyesight things like uh, whatever it makes someone uh be born premature or whatever makes someone be a person who isn't able to carry a child to full term like in if that was a ape that that child wouldn't survive or that mother wouldn't survive. And that's not, I'm not saying it from like some sort of like judgmental places. If that says anything about the people at all, you're saying you want to clean up the gene pool. No, I'm not. I'm saying that you want to concentrate all of our problem elements into, I don't know, a camp. No, 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 no. I'm saying that we with our advanced brains have come up with tool systems to overcome these, uh, uh, disadvantages, these genetic disadvantages that would have otherwise in a natural environment been weeded out. But they're no longer being weeded out. Yes. And so I'm curious about how that's going to, my predict, my, my guess is that what that would do to our species in the future, again, presuming we had one, would make us all susceptible to a wide variety of random ailments and bizarre features um, that 
collectively will will in make our lives our quality of life go down mm-hmm. we'll be less able to do a lot of different things and we're like sort of creating you know we have this this society that's like embraces that but because we can overcome it with our intellect and our innovation and that's absolutely as it should be we should overcome these things but it's just like platypuses look weird <laughs> Platypi look weird. I think it's technically both. It's like octopus. They have evolved those things for a reason. Those traits have evolved for a reason. Sure. Because they've been advantageous. I think we're going to end up like looking as fucking weird and bizarre as a platypus. But all of our weirdness is going to be completely disadvantageous. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I I think it'd be interesting to read a book about that. We'll have vestigial bodies. I think we're going to have vestigial lots of things, man. Yeah. I think we're going to have like... I just meant the whole thing is vestigial. <laughs> a lump of uh, tails and appendixes. Yeah. Um. So it would be cool if we like... If I, I would love to hear someone talk about that. And I could probably Google it if they knew what the name of that concept was called. But I don't. Do you have anything else to say about that chapter? Um. I I really enjoyed... Malcolm bringing up all the arguments, not necessarily against evolution, but certainly in points against evolution as we understand it and how they're all often cited or quoted by creationists as anti-evolutionary theories. And then you turn the page and he's like, but it's not creationism because that's bullshit. Yeah. That was fun. Um, I definitely... I would like to hear what modern science has to say about a lot of those points today, you know, that he, that he brought up. Cause I don't know what those answers are. And I, like you were saying, um, I'd be curious to have those taken apart or just being like, yeah, we don't know yet. But I'm also, he kind of suggested there was more going on than DNA. Like there is a understanding that DNA is the end all be all. And and certainly seemed like Malcolm was implying there is, or Malcolm or and Crichton that there is a whole nother layer that we haven't even got to yet that can affect DNA and evolution. I'm perfectly willing to believe that that we we are, we we know nothing yet, and I'd be very curious to see what that will yield in the future when scientists figure that out. Yeah. Um... Hopefully we'll be around for that. <laughs> um, my only other thing was, uh, and it comes up even later too, but when he said our ancestors came out of trees three million years ago, I'm like, good God, we're so young. Yeah. But th- talk about, you know, the ad- the advantage of these dumb brains we have. Yeah, right. You know, like they, they really do, like, they mess stuff up. They, they have significantly changed this planet. Um, I actually wanted to go back to a note earlier and ask you a question about the thing about uh about the apatosaurs and the herding and the symbiosis. Okay. Um, do you think that that was a sort of like a retcon, another one of those movie inspired retcons because of the they do move in herds line? Because in that scene in Jurassic Park, the movie, we see the brachiosaurs. And the, uh, I think they're hadrosaurs. Basically, the basically the, uh, the parasaurs. 
and a patasaurus. So it's basically it's, it's yeah like, yeah yeah no yeah. totally totally totally. And, and in that scene, they are like behaving like you would see a, a savanna animal two two savanna animal species drinking from the same watering hole, uh, you know, because they're not a threat to each other. Maybe. I I hadn't considered that, but you're right because it is basically they are stand-ins for each other. Right. It seems reasonable that it was. Yeah. At least a reference to it, or I want to explain that moment, going more into depth into yeah. it. Or be like, you know, or, or just, just straight up just like, yeah, I like that shot. Let's do that shot, but in the book. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else in that chapter? Uh, just this <laughs> note of resignation at the end. I'm like, damn, this chapter is over. <sighs> Back to Levine's bullshit, I guess. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the next chapter. Parasaurus. I guess I guess you could pronounce it like that. Parasaurus. I would say parasaurs. There's an us at the end. Yeah, I guess it's it not. It's not S A R S. It's S A R U S. Parasaurus. But no, it's spell. P A R A S A R U S. Oh, that's okay. Mine. Let me let me double check. I'm like I'm looking at what I wrote. So let me. Look at the actual. Maybe I'm wrong. It's possible. P a r a s a u r s. That's what I remember. Parasaurs. U r s. Parasaurs. I was wrong. It's big of you to admit. Nah. Super easy. I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the best at admitting. Uh, speaking of speaking of uh the conversation we're just having, uh. My impression of this chapter was that some of these chapters seem tedious. Yeah. This this would be a really interesting way uh, scene to watch, but I didn't find it interesting to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and maybe I'm a Luddite and maybe I'm a person who likes visual things more than, than reading, but... I, 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 the whole descriptions of the nesting and the latrine behavior or whatever it was... Is, this, is that this chapter? I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like feels like okay this again like if i was watching this in a film and understanding it as it was being displayed to me i would be engaged but reading it feels again more just like what am i what is this book about where am i going i i i don't disagree but didn't we talk about how michael Crichton had a very filmic grasp of 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 writing or in the last book and like it was engaging you're like i could see this as a movie yes but i i liked it then (laughs) sure I, i no i think it's i think it's also Indicative of what you were saying about how he just doesn't have a goddamn point. Not yet, at least. Or he's he's treading water. Like Man, it, you are it just giving feels him like... all kinds of benefits of the doubt. I have already made my judgment. <laughs> There's just so much book left. It's just, <laughs> it's just hard to say like there won't be anything in those chapters. There's um, a lot of book left. There's a, there's been a lot of books so far, and there's not been a lot in it. I think it's very easy to extrapolate nothing. Yeah. But yeah, you know what. I like I like your sense of uh, hope. Yeah. Do you have any notes on this chapter? <laughs> Nothing positive. I wrote. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually starting to prefer the kids to Levine. Oh, ouch. Well, I think that that brings us to the next chapter. Heat. Starring Al Pacino and Melissa McCarthy. Uh, my first note is. <laughs> that raptor's got a great ass. <laughs> My first notes on page, my page is 626. 
Um, I might just a generic note about the big frenzy. Okay. Uh, so my, my note comes first then. Okay. Um, I think the calling a stegosaurus that just kissed you stupid seems rude. Uh, he did that in the writing, did that a couple times. And I didn't like it. I've seen Here. that in writing before too, though. And I, I feel like it's a, it's not necessarily meant as an insult, just a, a description of that kind of slow, vapid, cow-like, just chewing my cud. Just yeah, but isn't it sort of like, doesn't it sort of come from a place of privilege to decide that that means something stupid? Yeah, that's a fair, I mean, that's it, fair. Like, like, we get to say, we get to decide what does and doesn't have intelligence without, like, I don't know, I... I It's just it just bums me out like because like, like again you get this thing about like well what is intelligence how do you measure it uh, all this other stuff and it's just like I mean stegosaurs are weird creatures though that doesn't mean they're stupid I think it does no octopuses are weird creatures you know what they can do open peanut butter jars sure okay uh but they also hide in peanut butter jars so. They can also that? escape tanks True. and like find but their ways around. Stegosaurus have like no brains. They're so it's, it's octopuses don't have brains very really. They are brains, man. Think about it. I know. Stegosaurus ain't no brain. You don't know. I know. That that's why okay, they have, they, that's why they have those cooling fins because their whole body is a brain. They might not be. Uh, they might not have much brains, but if you check out that tail, they're sharp. <laughs> a weird flex man you don't even know what that term means (laughs) you can't prove it we weren't recording (laughs) (laughs) um i have an overview on this chapter um it's it's a bit of a nerdy thing to point out but i want to point out okay that when it comes to birds we don't call them herds or packs we call them flocks true um they flock just like a bird that's what that's what Grant says in the first movie. Um, he also said they're moving in herds. He did. And that's my next point. I also want to point out that all species of avian raptors hunt alone. They don't hunt in herds. I can't think of one that does. Owls, hawks, falcons, eagles. The eagles, I mean, I've seen eagles like in groups. Sure. But they don't really, and they might like scavenge together, but usually that's because humans have created an opportunity for there to be an excess of wasted food that the eagles have learned to congregate around, like ravens would or crows would. Mm-hmm. I I think it's actually might be more visually accurate and perhaps more terrifying to describe the raptors not behaving like birds of prey, but more like seagulls or 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 ravens. Like imagine being surrounded by a group of seagulls sure. and attacked by them. So they're congregating, but not necessarily working together. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. That right. makes a lot, of, lot more or, sense. Or like flamingos. Flamingos do the same thing. You can get huge groups of flamingos all around each other uh, eating and hunting together, but they're not like... They're not doing it like, uh, like a bird of prey would. Right. Birds of prey are more like... They're more like bears. They're more like the, the kind of predator that's like a solitary predator mm-hmm. 
less no, the, like wolves. Right. Okay. I was going to say it definitely has got a wolf pack analogy. Yes. That's been a, a hard thing. And maybe he, he, this dude has done way more dinosaur research than I have. Although but, actually you, what your comment, uh, kind of ties into my note. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Raptor frenzy is another section that I think would benefit from a parallel in the real world. As it stands, it feels like uh, Crichton just wanted to have some scary monster animals. And after spending so long on self-organization, it falls kind of flat. And I think if you if he had likened it to like the seagull thing, that would have made so much sense to me. If he because he, right. he only because he's established this here's a real world parallel that can make yes. this animal behavior make sense. And here he's just like, oh, they're just ah, scary. And I'm like, eh, okay. Because wolves don't do that either. Right. That's the thing about pack hunters. They don't they do not do that. They don't turn, they only do it for establishment of pecking order, or at least as far as we understand. Right, 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 right. And right. that wasn't what happened in this chapter. Right. And he's already talked about how the raptors hunt in the first book, and uh, they work together, and there's coordination. Um, and maybe he didn't want to go back on that, but this is, this is crazy. And if, if he had likened it to seagulls, that would have made so much sense to me. I, I, I was thinking. I'm, I, I, I'm really I wish glad I knew, you brought that up. I wish I knew more names of birds because I was thinking about those tiny little birds that like fly in pretty big flocks, and they have that. Um, if you watch videos of it, you see it in real life. Oh, sure. You don't have to live where they're banking the left and right. And, yeah, yeah, where, yeah, like the whole thing moves around. Mm-hmm. Sparrows, um, I think, do that if they're if they're not the ones you're thinking of. Uh, that might be. I I know we have some of them up here, but mm-hmm. I don't know what they're called. They look like finches to me, but I don't think that's what they are. Um. Anyway, it, it, I was just thinking about that because I was thinking about like like birds of prey hunting not in packs. And I was like, yeah, but you know, like there are birds that kind of do hunt in flocks, but the things they're eating are like bugs. So it doesn't feel like they're hunting, but they are. Right. Uh, they're not hunting stuff larger than them, like a pack would. You know, wolves will take down a moose or an elk or a deer, uh, but they're still like hunting together but it's it's still like it's more like fish like fish will go around eating smaller plankton or other things in unless huge they're piranha in which they take down a cow together i think oftentimes piranhas just eat like anything that's in or they they don't they don't actually eat the they're, they're not like the movies okay i was gonna say um, i also i get all of my information from movies yeah they're not like the movies no. um they are they do have scary looking teeth but they're not like the movies um I think you'd have to have like bloody chum, I think, to again essentially get them to behave the way they do in movies. The feeding frenzy, the rapid biting, the 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 tearing it apart like as quickly as possible to get it down to the bone kind of shit. I think that is like you'd have to toss them fresh steak, like or a decapitated cow head or something. Sure. Man, I'm hungry. Yeah. Um So uh yeah, I uh I, I don't know. I had some trouble with that parallel, like the whole that whole sequence of the attacking the the bird itself or the the raptor it's the 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 one that was like weak or whatever its problem was. Like it wasn't well described. I just didn't. I didn't dig it. I didn't. That that sh- I, I I can't. I literally can't think of a species that does that to itself, mm-hmm. uh, unless it's like something you're you're encroaching on territory. Unless you're talking about a territorial thing, because that will happen. Animals in the same species will kill each other if they're encroaching on territory, but they those those aren't usually in the same pack. And if they are, 
it's because of an attempted coup for leadership of the pack. That happens in things like African dogs or African wild dogs, is that what they're called? Or um, wolves will also do that. But it's or, or like lions will do that. But so like big predators will do that. But I've watched not I'm not an expert, but I've watched enough of those documentaries and shows to feel like if that kind of thing was a real thing, like if lions ate each other, not young, because again, I think we've talked about that before too. Like males will eat the young of another male, right? To to like to, to assert dominance or whatever to clear up the gene pool so they know only theirs their offspring are the ones that are surviving. But like when it comes to like if you if if a bear killed another bear in a fight, the bear I don't I feel like we would have seen it. I feel like we would have seen the bears go free food eating this bear. And I have it now I really want to google it to see if I could find that. But like you got some homework. Housekeeping. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, yeah I mean that that definitely added to this whole oh no, they're just monsters now. Yeah. All right, well, got any other notes in this chapter? I do not. Let's move to the next one. Noise. Uh, yeah, that's what it was—a bunch of noise. Yeah. Um, got any notes? Just when uh Malcolm was uh lecturing, and he said, uh, "You're modern airheads." Just see more of that self-congratulation from Michael Crichton and Malcolm together. Just I'm yep. looking down on people because I've got a big opinion of myself all of a sudden. Yep. Uh, next chapter. Trail. Any chapter that deals with dinosaurs defecating is going to be great. That's my thought. <laughs> uh, I've I've actually never speaking of things I've never heard of in nature documentaries. I've never heard of the term latrine. Oh, for uh, like latrine animals. It. Yes, I've never heard of latrine animals before, and I'm very interested interested to learn more about them uh, from from a nonfiction source. Uh, I I it, I'm interested. He mentions deer. He mentions something else, but like. That's a very interesting thing. That's a good to, point. I don't think I suggest. I don't think I I took it in that way, but it is it is a. I think I have never heard about either. Because essentially, the way like Crichton's describing it is more like a feculent nest than a dog peeing on a tree or the same tree. Mm-hmm. You know, like like a dog. The the whole concept of dogs peeing on the fire hydrant because, you know, they're marking their territory or whatever, is is like is is that what. Could that qualify as a latrine animal? I mean, they'll I mean, pee no, wherever they're, they they're want. They're sending messages about the kidnapped puppies, man. Come on. Oh, this is so true. And then my last note in the, for this chapter is that Levine getting bitten by compies is probably not good. Yeah, I still want to know what he was impregnated with, though. Apprehension. Curiosity. He already had a healthy dose of that. Uh, I'm, that's all I got for this chapter. I'm done. Not, nothing for me. Next chapter. Nest. I have no notes for this chapter. <laughs> Nor do I. Just, but it's the right, it's the order we gotta go through. Next chapter. The high hide. All right. No notes. I've got a very short note. Okay, my, well, my note is that it's, it's, it's obviously too soon for Levine to die, right? Right. So he's, he's not gonna get eaten by compies like Hammond. It's just, it's not, not like this. Nothing. It might happen. It might happen in later. I already called him a plug and play Hammond way back in like episode one. Ooh. I know that that happens in the movie. I know that a character gets eaten by copies in the movie. 
Well, at that but point, that also happened in the first book, right? At that point, the second movie is trying to use scenes from the first one too, right? So I don't. I mean, it, it could happen. Mm-hmm. It could happen again, I guess, but it feels like odd. It just feels so weird to bring this character this far and and kill him. Like he keeps playing with killing him. Like this idea that, like early on, we had another when he got hit when when he got the called the message on the satellite phone. Like ah, they're come at night. They ah, ah. and like I was like he's not dead and he wasn't. Now he's bitten by the compy. That happened to Hammond and Hammond died. I don't think he's gonna die. I mean, that happened to Hammond because he kept getting bit, and then they ate him. Yeah, exactly. But so, like, yeah, he, he's not going to die from this bite, I don't think. No, but he might. But by sticking around in the force and not going back to get treated, yeah, maybe he might be setting up an opportunity to be to get woozy and fall asleep or make bad decisions. Like, yes, sure, sure, absolutely. Do you have any notes in that chapter? Nope. All right, that brings us to the next chapter. Trailer. I love this chapter. It is a pretty good chapter, and definitely passes the Bechdel test. It not only passes the well, they talk about. Do they talk about anything other than a man? You can talk about a man if you talk about something other than a man. Oh, see, I thought it was any like I thought it was in my head. It's it's talk about anything and not a man. No, I don't. I don't think so. No, that's not what the website says. But like I again, we don't hold with that website. I do. Um, well, why? Do you have primary sources saying that that? website has any sort of because it it, it it jives with what I remember learning about the Bechdel oh, test from so my... it reinforces your preconceived notions and therefore it must be right no that's preconceived great preconceived notions and and and, and uh, knowledge are different hey I'm just saying good job being objective I, I don't need to be objective about something I'm certain on <laughs> like something something <laughs> that I've, I've I've learned in higher education circumstances uh-huh if you would like to take it up with my accredited university and my women's study courses, please do it. But uh, when I learned about the Bechdel test in university, it went the same way this website was going. So once again, it's if a, you'd like to take it up, it's a weird flex, you are man. more than welcome to talk it up with them. This is where we get back to that thing I mentioned earlier about Harding's boring chapter. Mm-hmm. Where it really makes me this finally like that, like... A long story that seems boring, but eventually has an incredible payoff. This is the payoff for me. Okay. At least it is so far. Take me through your payoff. She she, she survives an attempted murder mm-hmm. at sea by fighting the current and swimming ashore, treks through dense jungle, narrowly avoids a raptor attack, and is uh, centered enough to, to hum... While showering off the grime of masculine cruelty. <laughs> and then she gives a young girl an emotionally empowering pep talk. I mean... She's a fucking badass. You're not wrong, but let's let's continue with that symbolism all the way to the end. The song she's humming while mm-hmm. washing off that masculine cruelty is going to wash that man right out of my hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I know I'm not misinterpreting this. It's pretty clear. But, like, I also love it. I mean, I have to say, I once again, this is my note. Once again, Crichton has a better handle on sexual dynamics than I thought or gave him credit for. Good. So, I accept your apology. Yeah, it is. It's straight up an apology. I was uh, apparently wrong. I was ostensibly wrong. I was uh, wrong. 
you're gold blooming now. Um, <laughs> well, I just uh, it's possible that he has other things. As 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 I <laughs> I am gold blooming. God damn it. <laughs> I thought you were doing a bit. I thought it was a total. I thought you were playing into it. You just were continuing to do it. It was just a. You were like one of those uh, snakes that you get at the fireworks store. <laughs> it just keeps going. So yes, we'll say. <laughs> Good job, Michael Crichton. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. She is. Ellie was great. In a lot of ways, but I feel like I like the I like Harding's characterization more. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 things she goes through this the the way her personality is is just like it's another one of those things. Where like Malcolm is well, I'll give him a little bit of benefit of that saying that he's traumatized. Sure, but to let her go, what an idiot! It's also interesting. Um. In the first book, he acknowledges some overt sexism, but doesn't say anything about it. And here, it seems like he's actually saying he's got something to say. Yeah, this, this idea might be of the like, first oh, thing in the book, he's had something to say. It's great. It's like it's this moment of like this young smart girl is confronted with the idea that like the whole the whole women in STEM stuff, mm-hmm. like like this idea that she shouldn't try because people tell her she won't succeed. Right. Because of something she can't, well, to some extent she can't change, i.e., her gender, her, right. her, her, um, her, her, whatever. Um, so, and then for her place Harden in the in, world, maybe. Well, no, but her place is directly just like tied into in this specific instance to her biological sex. Sure, like, but as far as she into, understands, she can't change right, anything. Right, right, and she, um. And it's 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 sad. It's that moment where you see her basically like flirting with the idea of accepting, giving up that sh- she shouldn't try mm-hmm. because everyone around her tells her that it's not she won't be able to do it. So just you know, just okay, I guess accept that. And then Harding comes in and says, "Ugh, yeah, well, I'll tell you what I happened to me." And then and knowing that this character, you know, Kelly already thinks sarah's amazing and super cool and like that kind of weird moment where she like is like there's sarah harding's clothes on the bed um and I, I say, that, that's the part that's weird about that is it has this sort of like fanaticism feeling to it yeah. it's not like anything sexual it's not what i mean i mean like no 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 no. it's certainly not but but that is a feeling that i think is very in keeping with that age i i met david sedaris once at after he did a reading and i was tongue-tied and 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 embarrassing and silly and i am deeply embarrassed about how that interaction went down he has absolutely forgotten it or never even remembered it i don't even know if he if he really interpreted it as it happened but it was it was one of those things where after the show you go talk to the the author you sign something that you talk to them and it was just embarrassing Mm -hmm. um so i imagine like kelly's feeling the same way i felt in that situation and uh so I could totally relate to that feeling, but then she has this profound experience with, you know, Harding that change potentially will change her life if she survives. If she survives. Yeah. If. All right. You got anything else to say about this chapter? I don't. All right. Let's move on to the next chapter. Nest. <sighs> Not very creative with the de- uh, chapter titles. No. But I also found this to be an exciting chapter. It was exciting. It was. 
very mustache twirly. Yes. But it was it was the action was thrilling. Yes. I, I felt I felt I felt I don't know, Levine not Levine, uh, Dodgson was just a little overblown. Dodson felt like Cobra Commander to me in this. Yes, that's great. I love he it. He felt like he walked in with this like cartoonish high-tech weapon and then basically could have used a vacuum cleaner to suck up dinosaur eggs. <laughs> like it could have been He's Cobra like, Commander. It could have been that like silly and it would have been uh, it basically is that I want silly. those dino eggs. <laughs> yeah, and 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 that's that's great. Like I I I loved it, and I loved how it was it was still scary. Um, oh yes, absolutely. Uh, I also I gotta say I really loved the line they're misinformed. That I was oh, good. That's my one note. I really ruled. really loved the um the cliffhanger there. Yeah, like, what the, the literal cliffhanger. Yeah, li- literal cliffhanger. They're misinformed. Uh, well, that I mean that that actually is more a note on the next chapter, which is Dutchson. The final chapter, which is my only note there, is a lit- it's a literal cliffhanger. Um, it uh, more of a hill hanger. Did did this chapter? Because I'm I'm realizing now in retrospect, it didn't do the job for me, and that could just easily be on me. Because I was reading pretty quick at this point. Did this chapter explain to you the disconnect why? Visual acuity was based on movement in the first book, but not in this book. Not yet. Okay. Okay. I wanted to make sure he certainly explained why it wasn't the case, but not why we thought it was. And that worked versus it's not working now. Yeah. I, I don't know the answer to why any of that worked in the first place or doesn't work now. I never grasped that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It always seems dumb. My thought is, vision is based on movement like that's like saying vision is based on light <laughs> no fucking shit like what does that mean well, not like vision, describe visual it better. acuity what does that mean like your capacity to focus on something uh yes okay it's if, like in so the last unicorn when when she says never run from anything immortal it tra- attracts their attention i don't know I don't know, man. It just seems like I I would love to see again. It's one of those I I don't know enough. Mm. I don't know how to learn more about this. I would love to learn about animals that have this specific kind of eyesight, and then I I would love to see tests where someone walks into their area and then freezes, <laughs> like like get one of those uh like uh living statues and send them in there mm-hmm. into a into a, a, an animal con- enclosure with these people or these animals and then have them like do the robot and then freeze and then the animals go like where'd he go where'd he go <laughs> this doesn't make any sense there was a robot here now he's not here and then he starts moving again he's like holy shit there he is again <laughs> he's back why did he how did he do that i would love to see that that doesn't make any sense to me but i'd love to see it all right you have any more notes i'm noteless All right. Well, I think then that brings us to a new word alert. alert. All right. I'm going to try to do this now. Um, I don't know if this will work in the same way. I'm not sure where my microphone on my computer is. So hopefully 
Hopefully you can hear this. Compure. You hear that at all? Compure? Compure. Do you mean to spell it? Yeah. C-O-M-P-E-E-R. It feels like some kind of peer. I don't know. You're correct. Community peer? It's a word. It means it's like a, it's kind of like a portmanteau of companion and peer. Oh, so a friend your own age. Uh, well, the noun specific definitions just say companion. Second definition, equal peer. Eh. Okay. Eh. Where, where did you run across this word? Really shitty issues of X-Men from the 60s. I could see that being something that they worked in back then. Stanley, he sucked so bad. He just like, like has these words, and he's just like, "Oh, I'm gonna put him in there." You don't sound like uh, a true believer. I truly believe he sucks. <laughs> Jesus, um, okay. All right, here's another one. Probably from the same bullshit. Gendarme. Gendarme. That's French for police, isn't it? It's a uh, yeah. That's the second definition. Is oh, police officer. Okay, so it's one of those. Um, that, what is it then? Like gentleman, maybe. A member of a body of soldiers, especially in France, serving as an armed police force for the maintenance of public order. Okay. So yeah. Circuitous. Circuitous, a roundabout, like uh, take go. a circuitous route around the Tyrannosaurus paddock. Or not being forthright or direct in language or action. Hmm. That's it. That's the new word alert. Okay. So that brings us to the end of the episode. So um, next time we're going to be reading from... Decision? Decision. Two. All the way through a chapter called trailer <laughs> again and we will not be reading the high hide again so if you're reading along read up to and through trailer and stop when you reach high hide the only reason i had a question this time is because i eschewed my previous method of writing all three names down and then crossing out the one i shouldn't read through and i'm like oh which one do i read through but then I figured it out with your help. Thank you. That's what we do here at Death Readers. Um, well, I think that was Death Readers. Uh, I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thank you for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. <laughs>